Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm exploring existentialism and finding courage, meaning, and absurdity in life. Hello, y'all. It's never one thing that heals a life, right? It's all the things. But if I had to pick the one thing that gave me the solid framework to do my healing in, I would say a big part of that is existentialism. I am a strong existentialist. So let's explore some ideas. These are not all of the ideas, but we're going to explore some of the ideas together. And longtime listeners, I think y'all will absolutely be able to hear these principles, these themes, these threads that run throughout my work. So those of you who are kind of ride or die listeners and listen to all the episodes, you might learn that you might be more of an existentialist and you didn't even know it. Okay, so existentialism doesn't have a clear definition, which believe it or not, is kind of the point And I hope that'll make more sense as I continue. The biggest themes are about owning personal choice and making meaning. So a big theme in existentialism is freedom of choice. And this is the idea that no matter what, we have the power of choice. There is a book called How Yoga Works I read many, many years ago. And I kind of don't recommend it because the translation I found not not very inspiring to read. The translation kind of fell flat, but the story is really golden and it's a very existentialist story. It's about a man, he's a yogi, and he becomes confined to a prison cell. And it's a story of how he makes the choice to be positive. He makes the choice every single day to make the best of his experience existentialism accepts that radical free choice is our personal power. I find it fascinating to think about that every moment we can choose something. We can. We can speak or we can be quiet. We can run or we can stand still. We can think something positive or we can think something self-deprecating. We can think something kind or judgmental. We can close our eyes or open them. We can take a breath or hold our breath. Now, it's a hard thing to look at if we are still in the anger stage or the anger of grief stage from trauma, particularly if we are hurting from trauma that was at the hands of another human being. But even in the moments that 
I was enduring abuse. I still had some choice. I still had a choice to fight or to play dead. I still had a choice to open my eyes or close them, to hold my breath or breathe. This is a very anti-victim mentality idea. And victim mentality hates freedom of choice. If freedom of choice is a principle that we live by, we choose and move forward. That's what victim mentality hates. Victim mentality in some way, shape, or form basically makes the decision to just sit down and hunker down into being the victim as an identity. And the ego loves that and grabs onto that. So freedom of choice is sort of the supplement or the the nutrient that is anti-victim mentality. I don't know about you, but anybody with a strong victim mentality, I would say is a very happy, fulfilled, satisfied person. So it might feel good in the moment to kind of bitch, moan, whine, and complain. And we certainly have to acknowledge if we've been victimized. And my joke is we don't ever want to buy real estate in the victimhood. It's a shitty place to live. So freedom of choice. I think you can hear that in almost every episode I've ever released. You have the choice to even listen or turn me off. There's so much to internalize this idea that we are choosing moment to moment, second to second, nanosecond to nanosecond, and that that's where our power sits. All right, the second concept I want to share with you. Existentialism is the idea that life in and of itself has no meaning. And I can feel some of you gasping like, no, Nikki, no, what do you mean? There's so much meaning. Yes, the idea is that if life itself doesn't have meaning, then each of us gets to make meaning out of our lives. Viktor Frankl is one of my favorite people, y'all. He is one of the greatest psychiatrists in history, in my opinion. He wrote one of my all-time favorite books, and I suspect it always will be. It changed my life. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning. It is also one of the smallest books you could possibly read with the biggest message. Now, if you don't know Viktor Frankl, he's amazing. He was a psychiatrist before he was put into a concentration camp during World War II. Viktor Frankl was Jewish, and he was picked up and put in Auschwitz for three years from 1942 to 1945. He stayed positive. That's what his book is about, Man's Search for Meaning. There's a line in that book that says something at the beginning like, the atrocities of the Holocaust have been written about ad nauseum. This book is about the light that he found there. It's life-changing because when you read about Viktor Frankl finding beautiful moments, finding spiritual moments, finding human connection moments, within that horror, it makes you look at yourself and it makes you have the freedom of choice and the personal responsibility to choose better for our own lives. If Viktor Frankl could do that, find the beauty, stay positive in Auschwitz, then we can find some real positivity, whatever our situation is. We can find the beauty within. We can find the light. We can find the humanity. We can find the spirit. 
And once you read that man's experience, you can't help but hold yourself to that higher standard to do so. Even when that is really hard work, even when that has to be effortful. And in this way, Viktor Frankl has never left me. I think of him as a spiritual father. And this is, again, how I have made meaning out of his pain, out of his story, out of his sharing of wisdom. And this is exactly what this existential concept means, that we get to make the meaning. At the end of that book, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl coins the term logotherapist. And the meaning I took from that was to be unsheepish. That's what he says at the end of that book about his own form of therapy, logotherapy. So yes, I very much am a logotherapist too in my heart. He encouraged therapists to forge their own way and to make meaning out of this human experience for themselves and for their clients, that that is what would heal and help give meaningful purpose to someone's life. In the game of who comes to your magic dinner party table, Viktor Frankl is always one of my main guests. All right, the third thing I want to share with you about existentialism, and this probably is the, the hardest concept that I'm going to share with you. It's existence precedes essence. Now, this one gets a little heady, might be a little hard to internalize and comprehend at first glance. The best way I can explain it is by sharing a quote by Sartre. I'm not totally sure I'm saying that right. S-A-R-T-R-E. And he says, man, first of all, exists, encounters himself, surges up in the world, and defines himself afterward. Existence precedes essence. So this makes me think a lot about courage and what is going on with youth trying to grab at identity and, and define themselves through identifying. When I think about courage, I think about the one time I've gone skydiving and how we tend to want courage before we do the thing. We want courage. We want confidence and courage before we do things in life, but life doesn't really work that way. I didn't feel courage until after I jumped out of that plane and my feet were on the ground. It was after the experience of skydiving that then I could turn around and go, wow, I feel brave. And then I have the identity of bravery. I have the identity of courage that comes out of the experience. It's interesting to think about now living through a time where we're watching online and in our youth, people identifying heavily, really wanting to define and value speaking their identity versus just living whatever or however they feel called, realizing that the identity will find them as they live the truth of it. The experience does the defining. It may be a little wonky when we try to define before we experience. All right, moving on. The very next existential concept I want to share with you is questioning God. Some of us as existentialists very much may be for the existence of God, and some of us may be against the existence of God. 
The important part here is in the questioning. As a born and raised Catholic, I'm no longer practicing and would not identify as Catholic, just spiritual. But as a born and raised Catholic, this was a really refreshing idea to me at first. It gave me a lot of permission to question and to be angry at what I had been taught God was. And eventually, this gave me a permission to question and make my own meaning. There's the meaning making about who I thought God was, what a higher power is to me. What's my own relationship with a higher power? How do I want to define that? I've settled on a non-religious spirituality, and I feel closer to God or the universe or energy or nature, whatever word you want to use, than I've ever had, I've ever felt. Nature is my God, is my spirit. Energy is my God or spirit. When people do spiritual growth work with me, it is something that I offer. It has nothing to do with what I believe and getting them to believe what I believe. When I work with people on this level, sometimes I'm supporting people in their own religious making meaning. Sometimes they are questioning that religion. Sometimes they're moving away from religion. Sometimes they're moving towards a religion. Sometimes they are healing religious abuse and questioning so that they can figure out their own meaning with spirit, God, energy, the universe, whatever word. So questioning this idea of a higher power and giving ourselves permission to make the meaning as we make the meaning. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Number six. Here's another concept, and this is a biggie for me. This is our personal power. Belief in radical personal responsibility. I talk a lot about becoming your own authority figure. Radical personal responsibility, y'all. There is a peace in owning that I am responsible for making meaning, for creating my mood, for moving through life's curveballs. There's a peace. There's a relief, even when it's hard, that I have the power to cultivate what I want out of my life moment to moment in the power of how I respond. I get to cultivate a life growing my abilities, letting go of what no longer serves me, and practicing a continued resiliency. And I am responsible for that. So if you aren't responsible for your own life and you buck this idea, who is? Notice how it feels if you give that power away. 
okay, your peace is somebody else's responsibility. Does that feel right to you? It doesn't to me. It might be a little scary to own our lives because if we're not in a good place, we got to get to a good place. But if you're not going to get yourself to a good place, who the hell do you think is? Our human ego loves to blame and shame and kick our personal responsibility towards somebody else or some kind of entity. And if we do that, no, it's my life isn't my responsibility. Really bad things happen to me, Nikki, that I'm not responsible for. Damn it. These other things, these other people are at fault, not me. I'm not responsible for where I am right now. Messed up things have happened to me. Okay, so let's let's use that for a moment. All right, blame and shame. All right, it's everybody else's fault. All right, I hear you. Okay, so you do that. It's everybody else's fault. Now what? Really? Then then what? Okay, your life's messed up because other people did you wrong. Okay, got it. Now what? What are you going to do with that? You're just going to be right about that? And stay kind of stuck and miserable? What do you win by allowing this logic to be at the forefront of your mind? Without personal responsibility, all we are left with is blame. Lots of people live out their lives this way, never, ever, ever learning or exploring how to make a different meaning beyond being the victim. Life is hard, y'all, no doubt. Look back at our ancestry. Hundreds and hundreds of years. You think it's ever really been easy on people? Life is hard, no doubt. But our power is in owning that, working with it, and moving on. Our power is our personal responsibility. All right, the seventh, and I just have eight to share with you. So we're, we're almost there, almost there. Second concept of existentialism that I want to share with you is authenticity. Now, this is more than just a buzzword. This is an important concept for recovering people pleasers, codependents, and highly sensitive people. People pleasers give their power away to be nice, to be liked, to get approval, to be seen as saintly. And ultimately, this is a strategy to never, ever, ever be left or abandoned, which is ironic because in people pleasing so hard, we abandon ourselves. We abandon our own authenticity. Authenticity is about making decisions, owning our personal power. This is what helps us move through the world as ourselves. And who the hell else are we supposed to move through the world as if not ourselves in this one precious life. And if you don't make that meaning, what are you doing? Are you really telling yourself that your life is supposed to be about people pleasing, about being who other people think you should be, about showing up in ways that other people find comfortable while you are in discomfort? I think of all of the HSPs I've known out there who, man, do they say they want to be authentic. But also, frequently say, I don't feel good to get out of things instead of, I don't want to go. Our inauthenticity sort of hides in these little moments that we think don't mean shit. Not in this episode, but in lots of others, I talk about healing the inner child. And what kind of message are we sending to ourselves if our inner child is watching 
and we're faking, we're lying, we're minimizing things, we're really manipulating all because we're people pleasing and don't want to deal with the truth of, I don't want to do it, I don't want to go, not this time, I'm going to pass, I don't have the energy, I'm in a bad mood, there's something else I want to do that day, we have to hide behind, I don't feel good. So if you have as part of your value system, part of your making meaning out of this one precious life that you want to be more authentic and you think there is something right about authenticity and something wrong about inauthenticity, look at those little bitty teeny tiny moments where it's so easy to hide, so easy to convince ourselves it doesn't matter, it's a little bitty white lie, just made it easier, just a little more comfortable for everybody around. Is it? You are radically personally responsible for the authenticity that you live or you don't live. I feel so much more accepting of myself living through more of my authenticity than I ever, ever would have allowed myself as a younger woman. So there are many, many more themes around existentialism. And the last one that I want to share with you today, believe it or not, is absurdity. Yeah, you heard that right. <laughs> kind of makes me chuckle because, yeah, I'm, I'm a goofball. There's something absurd about me, always has been. I used to feel embarrassed or ashamed of that even. And now it's one of my favorite things about myself. So what does absurdity mean when it comes to existentialism? Well, it's kind of like this. If we are making our own meaning and life means nothing, then life is absurd. And y'all, I am not mad at this idea at all. I cannot help but see life as absurd. In a way, it is absurd that we found each other right now in this moment. I researched this, y'all, before recording this. How many podcasts do you think are out there right now? It's 2023. How many? Put a number to it. There are over 5 million podcast. Can you believe that? I can't wrap my head around that. Five million podcasts, over 70 million episodes. And yet some kind of way, you and I are together right now on this episode listening to this even very minute, this moment happening between us. How beautifully absurd. How can that even be calculated as possible? Five million podcasts, 70 million episodes, and yet you and I are here together sharing this moment. Now, how does that feel to you to think? I've talked a lot about how my grandpa really taught me the sense of wonder. That's been a huge part of my healing. And if my grandpa was here today, my God, would I have him on the show to talk about life's absurdity and wonder. Doesn't it feel relieving and releasing to allow the absurdity of it all? Isn't there something kind of funny about that? I want to thank you for listening all the way to here on this episode and all the episodes. Believe it or not, you are part of my existential philosophy. You're a part of my life. You as a listener of this show, you are part of me making meaning out of my life. I hope you can hear how and why I fell in love with existentialism as a philosophy, as a framework, as a grounding force, 
as a playbook to move through life and grow myself. It's helped me become me. And I hope all of you out there listening are finding a way to help you in the becoming of you. The February live stream Q&A will be on perfectionism. So if you want to come hang out with me, keep learning and growing with me and with each other, with our Patreon community, please come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. And I want to give some more Patreon shout outs because that is something that you get when you come throw us a few bucks and immerse yourself in our exclusive content. I want to thank Leonard, Joanne, Patty, Tony, Tess. I want to thank Matthew and Ellie, Lori, Bonnie, CJ, C-E-E-J-A-Y. I want to thank Kira, Emily, Irv, Allison, Ricardo, Sally, Nicole, Jennifer P., Karen, Lisa, Maggie, George, Renee, Candice, Lee, Daniel, Tiffany, and Christopher. Thank y'all so much for being part of the butterfly effect, part of the highly sensitive tribe that is working to better themselves in this world. I very much believe that we are the change. And when we embody this change and this growth work, there is such a butterfly effect. Y'all fill my heart up by being on this planet with me, by doing the good work. You are growing up your inner child. And I promise you that brings more peace, more security, more centeredness, and more joy in this one precious life. And damn it, especially if you had a hard childhood, you deserve that. Light and love. I'm an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Light and love. And I'll see you right here next time with a brand new episode. Till then, I'll see the rest of you on Patreon. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.